It is Monday, and you know what time it is. It is FRPC Hoops. I am here with the Canadian Bomber, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, the Canadian Zach Lowe, and the forever Canadian champion and son of Loretta Current, because she she thought you were a champion. Nico, what's up? Not much, man. Just going through this opening period of free agency and uh, reading all the updates I can with Twitter going through this insane change that seemed to coincide with all the major sports having big news to work through. Oh, yeah. That was the... That was the outrage of the youth is that Twitter was not working correctly. I was sitting there. I'll verify. So I get them. I don't, I don't know. Pay for it. Yeah. Well, you got, you got like a certain amount, but still even the verified accounts were limited. Like if I, I didn't have a verified account, I don't have a verified account, but even if I would have, I, I probably would burn through those 6,000 or 10,000 tweets that you can look through in a day pretty easily because every single tweet you scroll past counts. If you click on a tweet that had a million comments, well, now you're you're screwed for the day because you've loaded all these comments. And it just it created all sorts of drama. And normally, like, I, I'm a Twitter user. I'm not... I'm not someone who's insane about it, though, and, like, uses it all hours of the day or anything. But just considering the day it happened Mm -hmm. with NBA free agency really kicking off and then also NHL free agency kicking off the next day, and we we had some pretty big moments happening in the MLB at the same time and money in the bank right after – and just trying to follow all of these things that were going on in the world of sports became fully impossible with the this Twitter uh, problem. What you got? Still throwing up my wounds. Oh. <laughs> I'm still throwing up my wounds. <laughs> I uh, I ended up using it still during the day, of course, uh, and it, the notifications ended up working so that was nice at the very least but just the the complete insanity of this like the whole social media companies are in the business of attention and they're the goal of them is to feed you this stuff thing after thing so you stay on the platform full time the this just created as a disaster where people stopped using Twitter very quickly during the day. And man, if this continues much longer, this could be the death of the website entirely, which uh, isn't great for people in our business, I'd say. So I, I'm hoping they figure this out sooner rather than later. It's just another thing Elon has decided to kill. It seems. Can I tell you a, a social media thing that did work? What? So I started doing breakout videos for some of the teams over the weekend. Yes, sir. And uh, 
you know, I had thoughts on it and, you know, what they had done so far in the free agency. And the one team that I talked, I wouldn't say a lot about, but it was a good nine minutes. Yeah. I had some OKC Thunder talk. Mm-hmm. And I was profusely praising our guy, Jalen Williams. Yeah. He's our guy. Yeah. And I put him in the same category as Desmond Bain for me. That's how much yeah, I love that's him. That's a pretty crazy category for you. That Desmond Bain's your guy. Yeah. Right. That's our that's my guy. And shouts out to him yes, getting paid. Sir, right? We're excited. Sir. So mm. excited. But a funny thing happened. Can I tell you that we are close to like 200 views on yeah, this thing? Yeah, it just popped out, and I, that's not a lot, but it's a lot for us, and it's a huge step forward. Yeah. I, I'm super proud of you for that video's performance and all the breakout videos that you were able to put out over this weekend with me somewhat incapacitated dealing with Canada Day and the associated dramas. But it it worked really well for our YouTube page, and we've we've got some support coming. And finally, we're really grateful for that, of course. And if anyone found us through that video, who's listening to us here, thank you so much. Uh, we're we're excited to have you along, and we hope we can continue to deliver on that level of content that Vince put out there. So thank you all very much, and we're excited to keep going, keep growing, and keep getting better. So I know, like I said, it was 200 and, and that seems very like, oh, you know, whatever. But for me, and like you said, it was important to me. Yeah, huge. You know, it was important to, to us. It was important to what we're trying to build here and actually what we're trying to build for the fans. Yeah. Like for the viewers and the listeners, we're trying to build a community where we're all getting together. We're all chopping it up about how good OKC is, yeah. you know, and Looking at it from a viewpoint of not just the the players, the coach, the front office, mm-hmm. how their analytics work, we want to know all of those type of things. So any viewpoints or scuttlebutt that people hear on the ground, we would love to hear. Yeah. You know, we will definitely incorporate it into the podcast 100%. But shout out to our, our OKC fans out there yeah. who – Really have liked the video, and it's and it's actually still doing numbers. Yeah. Like it's not like slowing down so far. So thank thank you guys so much yeah. for that. I was I was just I went to bed last night and I was going. Huh, yeah, that's whatever weird. whatever we figure out that can hit. We're we're always happy to do more of that. So you're going to be seeing more breakout videos on the channel going forward. We got some plans to bump out a bunch of them this coming weekend and hopefully you'll be seeing those roll out slowly. And if your team did something significant and we already did it, we will double back. So, um, and then I think what we're going to also try to do, we do have a website. I think what we're going to try to do is do some sort of outline Mm -hmm. and then update like some sort of stock quote deal up or down and like a little blurb comment or something. I mean, this is industrious. This is like, like not now, but I see that coming in the future. Something like that. I would love to do something like that. 
All right. So, man, I guess we should get into all the free yeah. agent talk. You've been holding off. I have three burning hot questions yeah. for you. Are you I, ready? Yeah, I'm ready for this. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that's been going down the last few days. My head's been spinning for sure, but I, I think I've got myself ready for it by now. Before I do this, I want to give a shout out to uh, Momo, who's in our Discord. Yes, and I also want to get out a shout out to our guy, yeah. Patrick, in our Discord. Those guys, I know we play around a lot, whatever. But those guys have challenged me and made me kind of even be more open to things and, and whatever. And they sent me down a rabbit hole the other yeah. day. And now, and it wasn't even based on what we're about yeah. to talk about, but it was something that hit and it made me look yeah. at other things too. So the first question that I have for you, Nico, is that we got Anthony Edwards signed to a big deal. He yes, got the sir. bag. Shouts out to our guy, the leader of the Wolf Pack. We had a Tyrese Halliburton contract. Another guy we love. Shouts out to our guy who definitely, definitely got underdrafted when he came out. We already talked about the aforementioned Desmond Bain. He got paid. Who am, who am I missing? There was a, another one, right? Lamelo yeah. got paid. That's Damn. a guy I love. Shouts out to our Charlotte yeah. people. Everyone, a guard from that same 2020 draft class, all getting basically the same contract. I don't know if Baines has the escalators, if he hits all NBA or uh, defensive player of the year. It gets to 260 at some point. If it, okay. Yeah. I that was the only one I wasn't yeah. sure of. So everyone has basically the same thing. Yeah. I I was surprised to see the lack of options on the deals overall. Normally, players in this sort of circumstance can negotiate option years, and it didn't seem like that was a priority for these guys. Uh, they seem happy in their current spots, and. I'm I'm glad with that. That's a good thing to see because these aren't a bunch of dudes in massive markets. We're talking about Memphis. We're talking about, uh, well, uh, sorry, Charlotte. We're talking about places like Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, the fact yeah. that these, Indiana, Indiana, all these guys are happy to stick around where they are, I think goes to show you that this having this amount of money in the league right now um, – is something that's going to really maybe maybe not change player empowerment because obviously players getting paid is part of player empowerment, but it's going to modify it in a way that maybe these guys aren't looking to move around so much, and this new CBA is going to make that harder too. So we, again, this seems like more and more information pushing us towards a league that has a lot of parity. Um, Phoenix might be trying doing everything they can to make that not the case, but uh, everyone else around the league seems to be moving in a really fun direction. All right. Before I get to the guy that we're about to talk mm-hmm. about, 
you know Ishpia is on that is on that uh on that Wu Tang situation. He's on the cream, cash rules, everything around me, dollar dollar bills, y'all. That's my guy. He don't care. Money, what about that? What, what we what we talking about? That's just paper, uh-huh. baby. Yeah, for sure. That's just for paper. Sure, he is. We blowing Pat. What 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 second apron? <laughs> no super tax concerns for uh, the Phoenix Suns. Their additions around the uh, big four, I guess, that they have on their team right now, like. Eric Gordon joining them. I know he's always wanted to be in Phoenix, but on a minimum deal, that's an incredible addition to the squad. They still have campaign to trade. They went and got Yuta Watanabe. We've seen what level of shooter he was last year. And considering their biggest struggle and what we have talked about multiple times is the fact that they have just guys in the mid-range, guys in the mid-range, guys in the mid-range. Now attacking guys like Eric Gordon, who can space the full floor to 35 feet, and Yuta Watanabe, who took a huge step last year as a shooter and was an, one of the better three-point shooters, not accounting. Good, good movement yeah. shooter. Sorry to step on you, but good movement shooter. And that's what you need with the group that they have put together so far. So I want to bring up that point yeah, right there. Sure. They ahead. ended up losing uh, Jock Londale to the Rockets. But he's not as important for this team without a player like Chris Paul because he's uh, really a pick-and-roll center. He can do a few other things here and there, and he showed that in the playoffs, but that that was his main uh, utility there. I think we both still think DeAndre Ayton isn't necessarily long for this team, and there is going to be some move that sends him somewhere else. But... Even just looking at it right now, Eric Gordon is the type of player you want with a guy like DeAndre. Same thing with Utah. I'm wondering if we might see a bit of a weird shift with this team where uh, DeAndre Ayton kind of becomes that bench guy. Like, he'll he'll come out with the starters, but he, in, in the same way Kyle Lowry was with the Raptors back in the day, where they would just sub out all their other starters, bring in their bench unit, and have them run with Lowry. And Lowry would make that bench unit incredibly efficient. Eaton's not going to have that same Lowry type effect. But he can go to work a whole lot more on the floor with some of these guys they're bringing in off the bench, bench pieces. I wonder if maybe a Utah and... Or, sorry... uh, DeAndre and Bradley Beal bench unit ends up being what makes this Suns team so devastating long term. All good points. I wonder again about DeAndre Ayton and his happiness. Yeah, that's fair. In his role. But I think we'll let's table that one because it actually segues into what I want to talk about. Because here's the burning question for you. Speaking of all these extensions and people being happy and all of these things. Explain to me why Jalen Brown extension has not been. I I have not gotten a notification. I'm looking at my phone right now. And I'm seeing Jason Preston information. I'm not seeing 
Jalen Brown information. And his deal is basically locked yeah. in. He he did make all NBA. We we know what the parameters of the mm-hmm. deal is. <clears throat> now, we haven't mentioned the big, 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 big stories yeah. so far. But what's your thoughts on Jalen Brown not signing his extension when everybody else mm-hmm. and you made a splash with Porzingis. I would have thought the next move was to sign Jalen. So mm-hmm. I I guess there could be the argument on their side that they're trying to figure out everything else around the team. Trying to in like see if they can add anyone else around the edges to uh, this squad overall. That that would be the first argument I think I'd place, but that doesn't seem the most impactful considering the spot they're in with Jalen right now. I'm not really sure they can be using too many of their exceptions. The second argument might be like debating over options, stuff like that, like we talked about earlier. There might be trade kickers like the smaller uh, parts of the contract that haven't been quite agreed to. We know Jalen's a shrewd negotiator, so that could be something that we're waiting on. But the more exciting uh, of the possibilities, and I think the thing we're maybe wondering about at this point is what if they're somehow involved in one of these bigger deals or what could be tied together into one massive deal, the Dame and Harden rumors. We've <clears throat> seen this the Celtics come up as a team that's been interested in Damian Lillard. And the only way that happens is if a guy like Jalen Brown is involved in the trade. There's no other way to put stuff together, especially after you sign uh, that Porzingis deal. It makes it very difficult to go forward, I guess, under the new CBA, Porzingis is technically tradable at this point. So I would highly doubt that they would make a move for someone like him and then immediately flip him in Dame Lillard trade. Also, I don't know if Portland would take that. But it makes you think. It makes you think. Because a team like this with Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum and Kristaps Porzingis that's a lot scarier of a team than even last year's Celtics and might be another move in the direction that screw all this parody stuff, we're putting together another super team. So I think we got we to sit and wait on this one because it's, it's spicy right now. And coming off a team, by all accounts, told Marcus Smart he was safe, he wasn't being traded, and then pulled the rug out from under him a week later. I I know like circumstances changed and that might be to account for it. But after doing something like this, the Isaiah Thomas move back in the day, albeit that was different management, this is a team you can't always take at their word. So just the fact that we've heard it come out that Jalen, oh, they're willing to offer this big deal to Jalen Brown, the, the, the Supermax. 
We don't know 100% how much we can trust that necessarily, so I'd really be waiting until it happens before I completely write it off as something that's going down. I know two people in that organization that are uncomfortable with making that deal. Now, I'm not going to tell you who they are or whatever the case may be. That's for me, right? Uh, This is how I have things around yeah. the league, right? Um, I don't think you're far off, honestly. And I think that Boston has always wanted to be in the mix when it comes to these mega mm-hmm. stars. This might be their shot, and they're looking at a guy that, unfortunately, listen, Jalen Brown has a lot to offer mm-hmm. anyone. But have we hit the zenith of what it could be in Boston? Now, listen, they got Porzingis. It's a completely different mix now. I got all that. Yeah. But are you sure? Are you sure? Mm. Before you give him this money, are you sure you can win? Yeah. Because you, when you lock this in, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> when you lock this in, this is this is what we have. I so the question is just being raised. I just asked the question. I don't understand if you know, like you said, it's it could be all of those things that you mm-hmm. just said. It could be little things like kickers and trade kickers and oh, I want a bigger bonus if I make three all-star teams or whatever. I want it to escalate or whatever it is. Or it could be like they could be waiting around to see what this uh, megastar NBA merry-go-round that's about to happen with James Harden and uh, Damian yeah, Lillard. Get, like, get and the Miami Heat just... <laughs> yeah, and the Miami Heat just kind of floating mm-hmm. through it. Um... Can I tell you that Jalen Brown will not be going to Portland in that deal? Can I tell I, you that? I can't imagine why necessarily he would be going to Portland. It, it, okay. All right. I just yeah. wanted to see if we were on the same. Yeah, it doesn't okay. seem like he'd be the cleanest fit there. Um, between all, when we all talk- the guys they have right now, the guys they're trying to build around. Doesn't he like fit into exactly the role you'd want Shaden to eventually like step into? I I don't love that fit. So that we're gonna talk about another team a little bit later, and then I'll bring Jalen up again. Okay, we'll just keep it like that. Um, I guess we can get into the the Harden team of it all. We can't not talk about it, right? It's what is. We were all thinking about when Twitter went on this hiatus, mm-hmm. right? What's going to happen with these guys? So my thoughts are that Miami doesn't have enough to give Portland. Yeah. They need somebody in this deal. The Clippers definitely do not have what uh, Philadelphia needs because the other underlining thought of this, and we can kind of toss it into the, the first burning question and call it 1A. Yeah. 
what is Joel and B thinking right about now? I have an internal monologue in my head of what he's actually thinking, but what's your thoughts of what Joel and B is thinking? Uh, I think he's thinking you better get this fucking trade right because everything that's gone on to this point, I know you can't always trust what guys say to the media. But Joel's praise of James Harden to this point has been nothing short of effusive. He has specifically credited him for the reason he won MVP. He has talked multiple times about how he and James need help. He is He's called out James sometimes for not doing the best stuff, but he has made it very clear that he thinks James is uh, bonafide like 1B or number 2 on that team and that they work together well and he likes playing with him. So if you're you're Daryl Morey, the guy who, when you trade for him, called Harden basketball Jesus, you need to, like, have something up your sleeve. And if there's a guy who's going to have something up his sleeve, it's Daryl. But he's going to have to hold in this situation until he finds something right because if it's not something that Joel can be sold on I'm not sure he's not the next guy who you hear asking out we we've had Dame ask out now we've had Beal move those are the two guys who've been hanging over the league for a long period of time now we're going to be moving into the next era of next guys who are going to be upset and I think our first candidate to look at publicly is Joel. And man, if he is ever on the move, that is a massive story. I'm trying to I'm trying to get his voice so I can do an impression of what Joel Embiid is that thinking. Is a hard... I know it's gravel. I know it's kind of somewhat inaudible sometimes. But always joyous. It's it's very joyous. Let me see. I don't know if I can do it. If I can't get it, I'm gonna just do it in my uh, voice. I think okay. Your voice but it's gonna be fun. Preferred. Okay, let's just do it that way. This is what Joel Embiid is thinking. This is his internal monologue. I've been the best player in. In the league for five years. I've had trash superstars next to me. People with all kinds of issues. All kind of personal issues. (laughs) Dudes that seem to be unhappy everywhere they go. Some people who just don't care about basketball. Obviously, I've had different coaches. I've played injured. And now you're telling me that I'm supposed to trust the process? No. I want out now. I want out immediately. Yeah. Let me see if I can get the immediately in the Joel voice. I want out immediately. Yeah. Dog, let me tell you something. You can give me the promise of Tyrese Maxey being awesome. Well, I think he even believes 
you can do I all that. that. No, I, I definitely yeah. understand that, bro. But if you're telling me I'm gonna end up with, uh, I'm gonna end up with some some version of like Nick Batum, <laughs> uh, throw me some other wings yeah. that the Is Clippers Rob have. Covington, Norman Powell. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna end up. And Tyrese Maxey is just going to elevate to this number two role? Just off the jump. No, I'm out. Like, if I'm him, I'm out. Yeah, like you-, yeah. uh, you can sell me on Tyrese elevating to a number two role. But in that world, you would need to get a hell of a number three for Harden and another bench piece and maybe a pick. And you would need to get a hell of a number four in the Tobias Harris trade as well. And that's a a whole lot of wishing and hoping for the Sixers to do. Though that also might be part of the reason why it's taking so goddamn long for this trade to have worked out. Because Maury, if there's a guy who's going to put you in that situation, it's going to be him. So I'm I'm hoping for some magicianship from Daryl at this point because I'd I'd like to see that Philly team continue to compete. Nico, there's a world where the trade includes Damian Lillard, Harden, mm-hmm. and a constellation of stars in like a sixteen yeah, deal. I I can see it happening. I. There's a world. I, I think that when you look throughout the league at the minor, smaller moves that have been happening, you can look at, at a team like Houston and look at all of the little passing around of players for picks that has gone on. And other, other teams throughout the league have done the same thing as well, just like these little small salary dumps. It seems... Like we're gearing up for something like that, uh, uh, like a record-breaking trade, maybe in terms of both money moved and also like the amount of teams that are involved in it. If if it ends up being one big trade, that'd be insane. But I could even see it being like a four-team trade, and then two minutes later, another four-team trade goes down or something along those lines. I think we're gonna get. Uh, pretty big flurry of movement at any time now over these next few days. And the one team that I know will have their hands or fingerprints all over it, whether they're integral or just a kind of ancillary, Sam Presti gets involved. OKC gets involved. You of course I will help you facilitate this deal. What yeah. do I get? Utah is another one I think you need to zero in at because they love to get involved in moves like this as well. And they have a lot of those various salaries at all sorts of different levels. Like a Colin Sexton could make a lot of sense being thrown into this trade going somewhere. So the, those are the two teams I would say to keep a big eye on to uh, get mixed up in these multiple team deals. Can I throw one more yeah, team sure. at you? Hmm. 
How do I want to phrase this? It's another team in your division. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They could they could get involved as well. I, I you're thinking who who are you thinking? Who are you thinking? Mm. No, Mm-mm. okay. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Well, Mm-mm. we we're down to Memphis and Dallas at that point. Memphis, Dallas, OKC, Houston, San Antonio. Is it? Isn't New Orleans oh, in your New, division? It's New Orleans. Oh, no, I don't think so. I you got me me- mixed up here. I'm really bad with division basketball because yeah. they don't actually mean anything. Like they, yeah, they don't mean anything. But the other team that I would think is also keeping their their eyes out on this is. Uh, is oh, New yeah. Orleans as it's well. It's New so. Orleans. It's New Oh, OKC right. is not in my division. I don't know how I got that mixed up. Probably just because I hate them. No. They're in Minnesota yeah. and Portland. Like, they're in the north. Mm-hmm. But shouts out to our people in OKC because they give us love. Oh, so we we're good OKC, with them. But, yeah. For sure. All right. So we got that burning question out of the way. Mm-hmm. We have another burning question, yeah. Nico. Can you tell me what's going on with Canada's basketball team, right? It's yeah. Toronto, right? That's your that basketball team. It's in it your is, country. It is. Okay. Can you explain to me what is going on in Toronto? Uh, a whole lot of bullshit to this point. Um, I I went on a few Twitter spaces after the Van Bleed deal. Obviously, as the Rockets got Van Bleed, I was. And where do you where do you always go for credible information in Twitter spaces? No, I'm just I'm um, playing. This- uh, yeah, no, I knew. I I was just I go there a lot of times to judge fan reactions and stuff like that, and I was waiting to hear some stuff about Fred because, like, say what you want about that guy, he that is the guy who has the record for points in a game. That is the guy who has the record for assists in a game for your franchise. He's an undrafted player who was a part of your team when he won a championship. I would have thought you you'd get a lot of like sad fans or like happy that it happened but sad to see him leave type reaction but just about everyone all over the spaces were elated over the moon that he was gone because they felt like it meant hey we are moving in the direction of a rebuild now then minutes pass you get (laughs) gary trent jr re-signing to a lucrative deal you get Jakob Pertl resigning to $20 million a year, and you get $12 million a season for Dennis Schroeder. It looks like you're running the same thing back without a player in Van Vliet who did have a down year last year and wasn't necessarily helping you the most. But this is a worse version of the same team you just had last year. I guess you're having Pertl the whole year might help in some ways and scotty barnes taking an expected jump forward um, could help you but overall this is just a whole lot worse and you're you're you became what the blazers have been for so long what washington has been for so long 
Toronto, with those teams moving out and looking like they're actually leaning into rebuilds, Toronto has just taken their place and decided, okay, we're going to be the team that just sits in the play-in for all of history. Shouts out to Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend, because I offer this. Mm -hmm. Pascal Siakam is another piece that can go in this merry-go-round. There's been a lot of of buzz about Siakam trades in the past few days, and he is a guy who we could definitely see in some way twisted in to those deals we were talking about previously, specifically the Portland one, because of how much sense he makes with their young guy. And that being said, with Jeremy Grant, maybe it's a little convoluted now, but he does he does make a lot of sense with their younger players. And even hypothetically in a place like Philadelphia, if they moved off Tobias Harris, though, that might be a hard sell on Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment sending a guy like that in division. I I guess with the Siakam and OG Ananobi trades, I'm at the point now where I'll believe it when I see it. We've heard far too much rumors about this over the past 18 months or so. And I was in that same spot with the Dame Lillard and Bradley Beal trades. And I guess I haven't seen a Dame Lillard trade yet, but we know it's going to happen. And Bradley Beal, we saw it happen. So maybe Siakam is the next, the next domino to fall. But at this point, I just I feel like they're running it back. It looks a lot like they're running it back. So I I, I don't know. Call me skeptical. I understand the skepticism because I have fallen for the pump fade too, a too. lot. When it comes to Messiah Jerry, okay, I have fallen for the pump fake because there's been he's always done this. It's a it's always a move where you go. There's a glimmer of hope. Yeah, exactly. That it's about to happen, and then, like you said, minutes later, oh, this we're bringing the band back together. We're bringing it back. So yes, I can understand the skepticism of them actually getting into this, but. This is their chance. I will say, I will say that I don't know anything, but I just it seems a little mm-hmm. quiet up there. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. Like people that would say stuff or who has a like a they have their 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 finger on the pulse of what goes on up there seem to be also mm-hmm. quiet too. Yeah, that's fair. I I do think that, like, hypothetically, we've heard buzz that maybe Portland won't send Dame exactly where he wants to go. I, I kind of doubt it, but we've heard a little bit of that buzz to this point, specifically out of Cronin's mouth, too. So if that's the case, I think Toronto is the team that can step in and immediately fill the needs and wants of Portland with a Siakam trade or an OG trade and the draft assets that they still have in their back pocket. He would fit really nicely 
at that point guard position, stepping in for a guy like Van Vliet, moving Schroeder into that bench role, and ha- having a guy like Scotty who can continue to develop as a like on ball creator, but also be working with someone like Dame who can shoot similar to how it was with Van Vliet, but to a higher degree. Um, both sides, I think that could work really well on at this point, and I'd I'd like to explore it if it's a possibility, but again, uh, just so much doubt with anything that's ever going to happen in Toronto. I do believe the Van Vliet situation was significant in one way. I do know that the Scotty Barnes Van Vliet relationship wasn't yeah. great. One one thought there was another way of playing basketball and the other one was like well I want a championship (laughs) so you tell me so and I think Dane going there would hurt the what they what they really want to do with Scotty I think this was to unlock Scotty the you know allowing Van Vliet I think it was to try to I lock him. And you know my deal. This is his third year, right? This one coming up. This mm-hmm. is third, right? Yeah. We we find out this yeah. year. I just I I kind of question that too because specifically of like bringing in a guy like Schroeder who's going to need to step into your lineup like kind of immediately and isn't so much of an off-ball guy. He does like he does mm-hmm. He did he, it in he LA. Did, but he did it. He did do it in LA. That's a situation where you're playing next to LeBron James. Like even in OKC when he was next to guys like Chris Paul and Victor Oladipo, he he decided to be ball dominant. Like we've seen him a lot of times be a guy who holds the ball a whole lot. And next to Scotty, I'm I'm just not sure how well that will necessarily um lean into the Scotty point guard minutes. Um I I I understand that it what what you're saying there, but also it didn't really feel like they let Van Bleet go. Like they offered him uh at, at least from the uh reports at the end like 4 years 125 million dollars. Obviously that's an offer that Houston beat kind of significantly. But that amount of guaranteed money, I think, would have uh, opened Van Vliet's eyes a little bit. They probably didn't need to go much higher than that to retain him. It seemed like, so, like, I get it, they're stepping back from that standpoint. But that level of uh, commitment to him seemed like they were at least open to bringing him back. Okay, I'm going to put this this way. Um, you can offer something mm-hmm. and know that it's not going to be Yeah, taken. no, I, I, I like you can you can feel you can go I, like, "Hey, we can offer yeah, this." Yeah, I understand that, but like they had, they had meetings until late in the day too. And it felt I get it you. felt like they were actually trying to sway him back over more so than just like kind of letting him uh, go to Houston and like giving him the 
the the type of offer that would just like imply hey we like you we'd like to keep you but we're not willing to pay your price also because like if that was the case like wouldn't like what was speculated before van bleep be one of the first signings that happened on the day and we actually had to wait hours and hours for that deal to go through because he went through his full meeting with the raptors so i i don't know it it's just a situation that has a lot of ebbs and flows. Clutch was going to move him to Houston. He wanted to go to Houston. You work with Toronto to bump up the price of what Houston pays for him. And that's how you get that deal done. uh, But they were going to max him one way or another. And like, I get it, what you're saying. It came just... out as a three-year deal originally. That's kind of what I thought happened. They were they were trying to play the leverage game. But when it comes out that it, the third year is a team option, that's arguably less favorable to Van Bleet than the rumored just straight-up two-year deal that came out in the first place. Uh, I'm I just there. There's a lot of moving parts. And it just makes me right. think that there might have been more going on in Toronto than what they're trying to make people believe right now. Yeah, so I just think there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I think all of it is intertwined. Yeah. Um, and, and it could be the way, exactly the way you said it. It could be a three-team trade or a four-team trade, and then we come out and it'll be like another five-team trade or another four-team trade. It could go any number of iterations, but I think what we're probably going to coin it as is we're probably going to coin it as superstars in their feelings trade. That's what we probably gonna coin this as. We probably it's a working title. We'll we'll figure it out as we go. But if you're talking about the most emo players in the league and people who have gripes about a lot of stuff and trying to get to that perfect place <laughs> sort of thing, we got them all in this this little group: Jalen, James Harden. Pascal Siakam wants a bigger role and this and that. Dame. Oh, my God. I mean, could he be part of the package that goes to Portland as a mover of stuff? There's a million things. Too many things to keep track of. It's too many. We we just threw a lot out out at them, at you. So you are welcome. So this is a part of the clock as where you sat there. And you heard all kind of speculation. We sounded just like every other podcast out there, but hopefully it was more entertaining. Oh, yeah. Right? I don't Maybe. know. I think we went into some some trains of thought that not every podcast is covering right now. Yeah, we try to give them a little bit of behind the scenes mm-hmm. without, you know, whatever. But, yeah, we hope that we're giving them what they yeah, want. of course. So, Nico... I have a third question for you, sir. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for this one. But first, I'll say this. The Lakers had a great free agency role. Just, you know, we had a great one, dog. Uh, 
fantastic in every way. Austin Reeves deal, absolute home run. The Gabe Vincent deal, impeccable. And Torian Prince, I'm shocked you got him on the deal you got him on. I was surprised he got waived in the first place. And then to see him, like, go to the Lakers on that kind of contract, that's exactly the player you needed. I'm, Yeah, you guys are in a great spot to maybe make a little bit of a run at Denver next year if they face any sort of hangover or injury struggles. I would like to thank the fine, fine folks of Minnesota for allowing us to have Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell at a at a at a cost that I'm mm-hmm. comfortable with, and and Dang. also and also Torrin Prince. I would just like to thank the five folks in Minnesota. They did give away the for, heart. <laughs> just I you know thank you for cultivating them and getting them ready for actual championships and things of that nature. And as soon as you get Carl Anthony Towns out of your building, you can start looking at, you know, trying to get championships and stuff like that. You know my thoughts on Carl. So, you know, I'm not going to hide him here on the podcast. I love the Minnesota team. I love Anthony Edwards. I love the McDaniels kit a lot. Mm -hmm. They got a lot of pieces. I love Leonard. I love Leonard Miller. Yeah. I love him. There's a lot to like in Minnesota. It all starts with Anthony Edwards. And as soon as we can get Carl Anthony Towns out of town, pun intended, yeah. better off than me. So Yeah, definitely. There's that. Now, here's your question, sir. Can you explain the Houston oh. Rockets and their uh, mindset? I can, I can, I can. Okay. Can I do I can I leave? Oh, yeah. Can I can I take a, a, yeah, a break? You you've got some time. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can leave. You got you, you I'm gonna give you all the runway you need, bro. Go ahead. Do do you. Yeah, all right. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the the first thing I'll go into, obviously, the biggest move overall. We've touched on it a little bit here with uh, talking about the Raptors and stuff. Fred Van Bleet coming to the Houston Rockets. Uh, a move that at first, I got to be honest, I I had a lot of struggles with because I saw that contract number at three years, $130 million, and knew that Fred had a down year last year. He still shoots really good percentages, but he's a guy who struggles going towards the rim, and that is a problem Houston has had and may continue to have with between having Jabari Smith as your four, who can't really get to the rim, and Alperin Shangun, who's a great post scorer, but he's not the the greatest like rim runner or anything like that. So they're going to continue to have uh, some issues there. Doubling down with Fred causes some concern at that point. Um, however... I do I do like the contract now that we we've heard everything about it. The it's not just straight up 130 million dollars over 3 years. It's a 2-year deal with a team option for the third year. 
something like two years 84. Uh, I like that way more, especially considering that the Rockets kind of have a second chance to go into free agency and make a splash, and that is in 2025, the year the team option comes up. Um, Jalen will be a free agent that year. Shangun will be a free agent that year, but they will not have yet signed their extension, putting the Rockets in a situation with cap space. However, they did eat into some of that cap space uh, going forward with the signing of Dylan Brooks. Um, another another signing that when it first came across, I I knew it was going to happen. Everyone knew it was going to happen. Dylan Brooks was going to be a rocket. But when you see that number, four years, $80 million, that'll give you a heart attack pretty immediately. I was hoping that we'd get Dylan more around the mid-level exception. I know he wasn't going to accept that small of a deal, but I'd be willing to bump it up to maybe 16 annually. 20 annually felt like a pretty big reach. My read Mm. on the situation at this point with that contract offer is like we were talking about earlier, and we might have... I We talked about this, but I think the podcast that we recorded this on got lost. Um, part of the reason I think this Dylan Brooks deal ended up being as big as it was, was there were other deals that the Rockets were involved in that ended up falling through. And for whatever reason, I think they had an agreement with Dylan Brooks that involved Dylan Brooks taking some what of a discount if these other moves happened. Not not a major discount, but less than this $20 million annually. And then after those moves fell through, you were kind of left in this spot where you made a, uh, maybe not a promise, but an agreement with the player who agreed to you under certain circumstances. Those circumstances are no longer the same. So you kind of have to overpay the guy at that point. That's my read and my limited understanding of the situation at this point. So it, to a certain extent, might forgive a little bit of the money they spent on the contract. That being said, it's still too much for Dylan Brooks. And it does interfere with that 2025 cap space that I had referred to previously. Um, That being said, by the time we're in 2025, considering it's a descending contract, the contract will be then two years, 37.7 million. And that's more movable. That's something you can hypothetically get off and open up that cap space to put maybe an actual like high-level star with the Rockets in the future. Um, the next signing was Jock Lawndale. Um, and it came really quickly in conjunction with the Jeff Green signing as well. Um, it felt to me like these deals happened because of the Brook Lopez contract falling through, it was pretty widely known that the Rockets were in deep negotiations for Brook Lopez to bring Brook Lopez to our team. He ended up going back to Milwaukee on a contract that was a little bigger than what they were offering him previously. Um, 
two years, 48 million. I think the Rockets would have been offering something similar. Two for 50 is what I had floated previously. Um, so understandable. He went back to take that deal. However, we have also heard accounts on that one that maybe that's actually the deal that fell through that caused this Brooks thing to happen because, uh, there's been reports from a few Houston media members that they thought they had the Brooke deal agreed to. They walked out of the room with Brooke, assuming that deal was done. And then they made the first one of their quote unquote consolidation trades, um, shipping off Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, two second round picks and cash to the Atlanta Hawks for what amounted to nothing. We ended up not receiving really anything back. We uh, draft rights to player whose name is escaping me right now. I don't believe he'll be coming over. He's 27. Um, so essentially, we just dumped all of those players. Maybe because we were opening up cap space for Brook Lopez, who never ended up coming. So that kind of makes you feel some type of way about Brooke and maybe his agent. We'll see what ends up coming out as far as that's concerned in the coming days. That might be some posturing from Houston. Maybe none of that ever happened. Or maybe Brooke went against his agent or vice versa. Brooke's agent was just kind of leveraging Houston uh, against Milwaukee to get him more money. We're going to have to wait and see that. Um, But then to get into the players a little bit more, uh, Jock Lawndale, I, uh, signing I really liked. He was a guy who I was kind of pitching other teams in the league on signing. I know I had pin- pitched Vince on him being a solid fit for the Lakers because I thought he'd be coming more around the $5 million range. I also really liked the idea of him signing with the Warriors and reuniting with Chris Paul in that circumstance. They are a team that could use another big and I thought he would fit into that role well. I was kind of thinking that with the assumption at the time that Brooke Lopez was coming to Houston, that was what all the buzz online was. So I was supporting that theory. I didn't really consider Jock as a fit with the Rockets. The contract comes in a little bit higher than I would have expected with the $8 million annually, a four-year deal. That being said, the contract is completely unguaranteed after this year, meaning it kind of also functions as a trade asset. It could be flipped at any time, whether it's this year or next year, knowing that future years aren't guaranteed on the deal whenever it is traded is going to make that pick kind of have, or that contract have an enhanced value, kind of like a a trade exception that you're rolling over year to year with a player attached. So that's, that's solid. I really like that contract overall. And he is uh, by all accounts, a good locker room guy, a good rim roller from film, a good defender, solid guy overall, who I think fits in really nicely to this locker room and works as a backup to Alperin Shangun. A lot of people were concerned that the Shangun hub offense was at risk with uh, the drafting of Eamon Thompson and potential or potential free agent signing of Brooke Lopez. But now, no Brooke Lopez, Eamon moving more into a bench role with these uh, signings he's made. It seems like the Sang Hub 
offense is alive and well and might even be something Ime leans into early. Um, Jeff Green as the final guy there, the final addition to the team. Uh, great bet. The return to Houston. I'm excited to see this guy back again. I think he can help out a lot of these bigs and wings we have on the roster develop and reshare potential. There's the clip that's been going around all offseason. Uh, Jeff Green talking to Aaron Gordon mid-game with the Nuggets, kind of telling him how to like use leverage and use his athleticism to get open more often. And that's the type of thing we need on the floor with the Rockets, him telling guys where to stand, what to do, because a lot of these kids are going to need that kind of help. That, out of all the signings, might even be my favorite, honestly. I, I'm all aboard Jeff Green coming in. Um, also, uh, as a part of this, there were two other dumps that happened. Josh Christopher going to Memphis as a part of the Dylan Brooks sign-and-trade, that one I'm really fine with. Uh, Josh was never a guy I was all aboard on drafting, and I, I'm not sure what he's really going to develop into. KJ Martin getting moved to the Clippers for two second round picks is one that hurts my heart because he's a good player. He's a better player than that trade, um, honestly. And especially considering his contract. Um, that being said, that one I do understand. They need they're currently looking at a spot where they basically have all their rotation spots filled. There was no room for KJ really going forward. He needed to be moved. I asked about KJ as far as the Lakers yeah. concerned. And someone told me that oh Max Christie is like six six and a half, six seven now. And I was like, oh okay. That's the reason okay. Yeah. That's the reason why. Cause two second round picks. Yeah, that's for KJ Martin, I'm like who 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 else could have got involved yeah, in this? A deal? lot of teams could have gotten involved. I think part of the the problem here is KJ Martin was in a contract situation analogous to what we saw a guy like Nikola Jokic in a few years ago, where he was a he had a team option this year. The Rockets picked it up. If they declined that team option this year, he would have became a restricted free agent. However, because they picked it up next year, he's going to become unrestricted. I I think that's the problem with the KJ Martin contract right now is the fact that wherever he's going after the year, he's going to be unrestricted and could just turn around and leave. So there's no real future value with him at all and uh, a team like the Clippers just sliding in and picking him up I think it's a great move the Rockets were a little bit in between a rock and a hard place there so I I understand why it happened it's just another shrewd move by that front office okay I'm gonna tell you what I believe happened and then We'll go from there, and then I guess we can go ahead and finish off this podcast. Um, I believe Raphael Stone was working on two things at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think something 
Well, obviously, things fell apart in the Brooke Lopez thing. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that Raphael Stone was working on something bigger that was taken up. I'm not saying that he did not prioritize Brooke Lopez. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I think he was working on something way bigger and I guess didn't convey or didn't communicate well, like, hey, listen, whatever their offer is, let us be the last team to, well, you know, match it. I don't know. I wasn't in the room. I'm just saying I don't know what happened on that front. There's other things that we could talk about on that. I think mm -hmm. we should let the notebook come out on yeah. what happened with Brooke Lopez. For sure. Because we have theories on that. But I think this is a very industrious player personnel guy who might have been a little bit over what he was trying to do. Like, it, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a lot. Yeah. I And I've heard that side of it as well. And I, like you said, I'd like to wait and see. I, even coming into that negotiation, though, and in the days leading up, the Rockets' final offer was uh, apparently higher. The Or the reported offer from the Rockets was two for 50. It's only two million higher, but still higher on some level. So I... I'm not sure if it was that as much as Lopez maybe using the Rockets for leverage to get a better deal from Milwaukee. And then finally, at the last minute, it seems like they cracked. They raised their offer to something he was willing to accept. And they kind of gave him that situation where, like, if you walk out the door, this offer disappears. And so the, he just accepted it. May made the move because Milwaukee knew if he didn't accept it, they would have had to move fast to find his replacement on the free agent market. So I think that's why they kind of put it's not as much an ultimatum as like, hey, we need to know this now. And they they went and made that decision and it just came back to bite the Rockets ultimately. But uh, I guess I'm not too upset about it overall in the end. And Rocket fans, so we, we don't leave you in a cold spot, leave you a little little chilly after after those thoughts. Oh yeah. There was good thoughts. You may you may have you may have a second chance in the dance. Yeah. I I'll just say that. I think that's that's still a very much a possibility. I they're they're sitting in a spot where they still have a little bit of cap space right now, so they haven't used the mid level or anything. And they some of these trades seem to make more sense than others necessarily. So if that rumor about the Atlanta trade maybe isn't true, maybe something else ends up coming to light that's tied into that somehow, or even the KJ Martin trade, something gets tied into that somehow that like ends up showing us what ends up going on. I think the Clippers making moves going forward is the most obvious thing of all of this, because I just talked about how it would be hard for KJ to find minutes in the Rockets roster 
if the Clippers roster stayed the same, it'd be even harder for him to find minutes there. So clearly they're going to be making some consolidation trades going forward and kind of cleaning up this rotation a little bit. Again, I believe there is a a mega move coming, whether it's two parts, three parts, one part, this is one big deal. I just think that Houston, honestly, in whatever the first iteration was, yeah, they ended on the outside looking in. But this train looks like it's coming back around. And if you get an all-star, all-NBA wing out of this, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I would be shocked. I, but I'd be happy too, obviously. So, Houston fans, know that I'm here for you. I will drop that nugget as we walk out the door. <laughs> That's what I will say. And we will go ahead and finish up this podcast. Um, Nico, thank you for all of what you do. And thank you for providing the Houston like reaction to their free agency because I was able to like read a book. I was able oh, to like, you know, check on my wife, yeah, all have, kinds of stuff, bro. It was great. Minutes left if you would uh, just let me keep going. So oh. I, I could <laughs> No, oh, no. Yeah, we yeah, we could just let it dominate. But I wanted to finish on a good note with them. Again, we wanna tell everybody, follow us on Twitter at FrontRunnerPC, and also at NicoFRPC. Also, we have the YouTube channel. You know that this is a podcast, so Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. Let's build this community and start seeing these fun little things that we're seeing out of OKC. I would love to see this out of Detroit. I would love to see it out of the teams that we talked about today. I want to see some of these fan bases talk about some of the stuff that we talk about and see how close are we to thinking like them yeah. or are we thinking like higher level? You thinking front uh, office, I don't just thoughts. We got a lot of smart people yeah, out there sure. who, who listen. So I'm, I'm intrigued and excited by some of the comments that we might yeah. get. So definitely. Do you have anything else to offer? Any any last little nuggets that you need or scud missiles that you need to get off? Is there any more Detroit Houston oh, beef man. that you need to get through with Don? Or no, we are you good? That. Actually, that's a perfect way to end. It seems like this is breaking news to you. Over over the past ten days or so, there seems to be a ceasefire online between the Detroit and Houston fan bases. Um, Mm. It's really hard, I think, to hate on a team who has a player who looks exactly the same as the player you're currently most excited about. And just the two Thompson twins going to either location seems to have developed a bridge at this point. Um, I'm wondering how long that will last for. Because there's a good chance it won't be very long, especially if Houston or Detroit take a serious leap this year and the other team doesn't. 
I I think that's going to be very problematic in the war between the fan bases. But so far, we're we're at a peacetime this offseason. Everyone's kumbaya, shaking hands, hanging out together. It, it's been going okay. This is music to my ears. I'm, I'm so glad to hear it. But then Drake dropped the scud on Van Vliet as he walked yeah, out he the is. door. So I don't know if that starts a little. Kinda, it was tongue in cheek. It was loving. Okay. Drake thing. I just, hey man, I just want peace, man. There's so much going on in the NBA that we need to be excited yeah. about. I didn't need fan bases just hating on each other in the off season. Y'all wait till the regular season for that. Regular season, hate, no. all that. Called franchises trash and all that sort of stuff. So. All right, we're we're up out of here. So for the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, the Canadian Zach Lowe, and the forever Canadian son of one Loretta Curran, I'm Vince Carter, and we are out of here, and we'll see you soon.